Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our King. Greetings. So glad y'all could make it out today to lift up the name of the Lord with us. You know, walking with God is... Uh, in one sense, a kind of a corporate thing, right? The Bible says that he's come to build his church and he's saving the world through his church, but it's also, it's a very personal thing too, amen? And uh, sometimes it's just you and God and, and a desperate prayer for help or maybe just a, uh, a quiet whisper of thanksgiving to him for his goodness, amen? And as we come to Psalm 25, our call to worship, we hear this personal appeal to the Lord. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. That's kind of what we were doing as we come. You know, O Lord, you know, we're raising our hands. O my God, I trust in thee and let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. You know, when we hear words like salvation, we often think of heaven. But a lot of times David is talking about salvation. An army is surrounding him. Someone's trying to kill him. Horrible things are happening in his life. And he's like, Lord, save me from that. And a lot of times we need saved from what's going on around our lives, right? Remember me, O Lord, thy tender mercies, thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of, and of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy, Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. He wants God to remember that he loves him, but don't remember how bad off he's been. <laughs> uh, that's what mercy does. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners the way. The meek he will guide in judgment. The meek he will teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such that keep his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity. For it is great. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach his way, the way shall he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thou unto me, and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are so enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of distress. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all of my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many and they hate me with a cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me and let not me be ashamed because I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O oh God out of all his troubles. Before we pray, I, uh, I saw a little picture, a little thing on social media uh, where this guy was put in prison for something that he didn't do. 
and uh, he's being interviewed on television. He's, he's just, uh, and he said, you know, a lot of crazy things happened to me in prison. And I really didn't know what was coming next in it. And he goes, you know, I'm there and I'm sitting in prison and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? How did I get here? How am I going to live through this? And he said, you know what? It had a, a very sobering effect. And it told me, you know, in my heart, I need to come to Jesus, you know? So he said, Lord, I just need you, Lord. And, and he said, they, had, they gave him a Bible. And he had this Bible and he said, Lord, speak to me from this book, you know? He said, I opened the book. He said, I had my eyes closed. And, I, and the man's name, evidently, his name was Jacob. And he said, he opened the Bible and he put his finger in the Bible. And uh, he said, you are mine and I am yours, O Jacob, and I will be with you. <laughs> and of course, Jacob is God's you know, name for Israel. And he said, when I saw that, I knew that of all the verses in the Bible, my finger landed on that one, that God was using that to speak to me. I am yours and you are mine, O Jacob. And he said, oh, I just want to belong to the Lord. How many of you want to belong to the Lord and have that relationship where he speaks to you, he leads you, and he guides you? Let us pray today. Heavenly Father, lead us and guide us and bring us to a place where we trust you and we wait on you. Lord, we're never ashamed when we wait on you. We're never ashamed when we say, you know what, I can't trust anybody, but I can trust God. Lord, you don't forget us. You don't leave us. You're not weak to come to our aid when we need it. Oh God, be with us. Strengthen us today and help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said. Remain standing, Jonathan, for a second. This restarted and updated and we're good? Okay. All right, let's stand and we'll just be uh, standing here for just a little bit. My text is uh, very short. We've heard a lot of the Bible today, but that's the idea. You come to the house of God. You want to hear uh, the word of God and you'll get to hear plenty of it. I'm excited to preach to you my sermon today from Psalm 143 and it's called Just You and me. Um, Psalm 143, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 6, and I'm going to read to verse 11, and uh, then we'll get right into the word. Psalm 143, beginning in verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Hear me speedily, O Lord, for my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down to the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee to thee. Hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of a brightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy namesake, for thy righteousness. Bring my soul out of trouble. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we read your word not to find a clever message, but to hear from you. 
And Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, it is by your word, Lord, that you change us. You give men faith and new life. And we pray today, Lord, that your word would be a seed in the hearts of those that are here planted on good ground, that it would bring forth much fruit. In Christ's name, we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We've been preaching our way through the book of Psalms and some of the Psalms are pretty rough. Some of the Psalms are pretty lonely and pretty difficult. And honestly, I've told you before, I don't, I don't really like to preach about those, Jason. I, I like to preach about the happy Psalms. Uh, the world's filled with enough darkness and gloom and difficulty that sometimes when I get to these Psalms, I just go, you know, I, you know, I don't really want to preach on that one. Well, Psalm 143, as we're coming to the end of the book of Psalms, it's the last one. The rest of them are all fireworks and parties and excitement and the hallelujah Psalms. But Psalm 143 is not that kind of Psalm. Psalm 143 is a very serious, a very desperate, and a very personal prayer. And when I say personal, I don't mean private like we use the term today. I mean from one man to his God. It's not a corporate prayer, a prayer for the nation or praise for the many works of God, for his goodness to his people or even the whole world. This sort of prayer is the kind that we might find ourselves praying when we are alone and we are facing something very difficult. This is not the prayer of a king, even though it was written by one. It is the prayer of a man in all of his frailty, seeing himself as he is, weak before the world of trouble that he is facing, and weaker still before the God of heaven. To help us see how personal and plea-filled it is, I have distilled it a bit and accentuated it for us. And I want to read it this way before we go verse by verse looking into it. There are a great deal of requests and realizations in this prayer. And it is directed to the source of all goodness and power. The one praying this prayer is completely spent, utterly incapable of the most basic effort to save himself or even to convince himself that he should even act in a decent manner. He is, as we say, done. He has come to the end of himself. Anybody here know what it's like to come to the end of yourself, to have tried everything you can try, have done everything you've done, have extended every effort you have, have thought of every idea you can think of, and you're just done. Anybody ever get there? Yeah, me too. As you will see, this is not really such a bad place to be because God gives grace to the humble. This prayer is about as humble as it can be. God's strength, the Bible tells us, is made perfect in weakness. Brother TJ, uh, God was dealing with the apostle Paul in a way that he was having a difficult time and 
He said that the devil was buffeting him and troubling him and coming to him and messing with him. And he prayed that the Lord would make it stop. He called it his thorn in his flesh. And here a man who could pray and the dead would come alive, you know, the apostle Paul, you know, a man who they could put in prison, but it wouldn't matter because God would cause an earthquake to happen and he would come out. A man like this says a prayer that, that the devil would leave him alone and quit tormenting him. And guess what? God doesn't do it. So he does what? He prays again. He prays a second time. And guess what, Tony? God doesn't do it. He prays a third time thinking, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to him. He says, no, I'm not going to do it for you. He said, because my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you've come to the end of yourself, when you've done all that you can do, when you've got nothing left to save yourself with, oftentimes we come to the Lord empty handed and God says, that's how I want you to come because I want you to know everything that's going to happen is going to come from me. So let me read the augmented version for emphasis here. I'm not trying to change the word of God. I want to emphasize a few things. I'm just going to read it all the way through. It's not a very long thing. Hear me. Answer me. Don't judge me. My enemies have persecuted me. They've smitten my life to the ground. They've made me to dwell in darkness. I am overwhelmed and my heart is desolate. Remembering what you've done and the memories of my life serving you and and you caring for me. It's all that sustains me to even be able to speak this prayer. I stretch forth my hands. Oh God, I thirst for you. Hear me. Don't leave me out of here alone or I'm going to die. I have nothing left. I trust you. I have no strength to do any good. Cause me to do the right thing. I'm praying for energy and direction. I cannot save myself. Deliver me, oh Lord. Give me strength and I will run to you. I'm too weak to come to you. Give me strength and I will run to you, Lord. Hide me. I am ignorant and self-willed. Teach me to obey you. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your sake, not mine. I am just beyond. I'm not just bad off. I'm dead. Quicken me, raise me from the dead. Save me, cut off my enemies, destroy them all. I am your servant. That's basically the prayer. Many of the Psalms, we have an idea what he was going through like last week, prayer in the cave, right? We, it'll say in the inspired heading, David wrote this when he was in this situation. This situation, I believe, is so personal that we don't even know what it was. We don't know what trial he was in. We don't know what desperate situation he was in when he wrote it. But David wrote these words. The inspired heading simply says a Psalm of David. You might say today it's a Psalm of Jason. It's a Psalm of Gideon. 
psalm of Bill. This psalm and the next two are the last of the psalms of David in the Psalter. This is also, as I told you, the very last of the very difficult and painful psalms. And I say that like I told you before. Many of them, like this one, have been very difficult to read and to teach on because they're so very real and so very raw. Life is filled with real pain as much as we like to pretend it isn't. We don't like to think about it. You know, it's kind of one of the funniest things. People are so devastated when somebody dies. And it's such a weird thing to me. It's as if we don't believe that they ever will. Someone's 90-year-old grandmother dies and they're like, why did God take her from us? I'm like, she was 90. She had to go at some point. Did you think she was going to live forever? But I can't believe it. I'm devastated. Why has God done this to me? And it's because we live in denial. We don't believe. We, we can't even think of the hard things in life because we just, it'd be hard to be happy if we were thinking about all the people that are hurt and all the people going through difficulty and all the people whose lives are messed up and the horrible things that are going on. It's hard to have any joy, right, TJ? By the way, I talk to people in the church and say them by name and I do that to make sure you're awake. And I... Oh, yeah, I do remember Amberly's name. That's right. I was going to say, I wouldn't remember your name, but I've never heard that name, and I don't think I could remember it, but I got it. I got it. Life is filled with real pain as much as we like to pretend it isn't, and maybe we would face it better if, we didn't, if it didn't catch us off guard like it does because we live in denial. I know God put all of these psalms in the Psalter and made them part of Israel's songbook because of the great need we have for them. They are not downers. They turn our heads to what we like to look away from, but that we need to look at. You know, sticking our head in the sand like the ostrich actually really does, hiding under the covers, you know, it doesn't make our troubles disappear. When I was little, I used to think uh, if I closed my eyes, people couldn't see me. Anybody, anybody remember being a kid like that? You know, this is what we sort of do. We sort of close our eyes to the pain that's all around us because we think if we close our eyes, it goes away, but it doesn't go away. We're not invisible when we close our eyes and neither is the pain doesn't go away either. Doing this as adults can be very dangerous. It makes you vulnerable on many levels. Those who grew up from the milk of God's word will look to these difficult psalms to understand the pain of others and to know what to pray when we find ourselves needing to pray like this. This prayer reminds many that they are not alone as they feel hurt and helpless. You know, when you become... You know, a man who's pastored a church for a long time and you spend a lot of time with people in the office talking about what they've been through. The Bible says with knowledge increases sorrow, Tony. You, you sit and you know, you know everybody's troubles. You know the darkest things in their lives. You know how they've been hurt by others. And it kind of puts a general sadness on you, Christina. You, you just go, yeah. As we come to verse 1, 
David says this, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me. And in thy righteousness. Basically what he's saying is there's no one else to turn to. Isn't that what happens when big trouble comes in our lives? We find that our people that we thought were our friends, people that we thought we could depend on, they seem to disappear like vapor. Because they're not really sure, you know. Well, you know, hey, I always thought that guy wasn't really just right, you know. Yeah, I always saw trouble coming his way. Yeah. You may come to the place where you're pleased to your friends and your enemies both <laughs> have gone on heated. You're like, could you just give me a break? Could you, like, really? Like, you know what you're saying. is, You know it's not true, and I know it's not true, but can you just... But it brings us to this place. Our enemies, they won't listen to us to, to, to leave us alone. Our friends won't come and help us. You know why they don't? Because they can't. Your friends can't reach into your heart and heal that dark, desperate, wounded place. They can't do that. They can't understand you. Sometimes our friends or even our husbands or wives, they let us down because they don't understand. Well, hey, guess what? They cannot. There was a time when uh, I remember my pastor preaching a sermon and I was mad at him. He said something in his sermon and it was very insensitive to something I had gone through in my life. And I remember at that moment going, I'm going to go tell him after church, you better not say anything like that again. That was just, that was terrible. And then the Lord said, you know, the only way he could know about that is if he went through that. He goes, do you want him to go through it? And I'm like, no, not for a million years. Do I want that man to go through it? He goes, well, then cut him some slack. He don't know. The man is like, you know, divorce isn't all that bad if you don't have kids. You know, you move on, you just kind of go on, but it's, it's only when you have kids that divorce is bad. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> really? It's only like worse than death. You know, it's, you know, it's no big deal. You just want to die every five minutes of your life for, I don't know, like two or three years. No, no, nothing real big, you know. But no one else understands. No one knows what you went through, how you were raised, the, the difficulties that you went through, the trouble that you've carried through your life. You can't meet somebody and all of a sudden tell them all of that and they know what you have been through, right? Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me in thy righteousness. Verse 2. Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man be justified. Right, Valiant? I can't stand up to your judgment. I'm not coming to you in my own righteousness demanding my deliverance based on my goodness and my innocence. You see, no one can come to you like this, God, because we're all a bunch of worms. Our righteousness, our filthy rags of our sinful efforts. I come to you as I am, a sinner in need of salvation. He's coming to God and he's understanding, you know, when we come to God. The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, 
we are what? We're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. You don't come to God going, God, you know me, I'm great. I, I, I've always been good. No, we don't have to come to God like that. We come to God saying, Lord, I'm a wreck. Lord, everything you told me to do, I didn't do it. Every way that you gave me that was wise in my life, I did the opposite. And now I'm living in the ashes of my own stupid decisions and mistakes. And I pretty much destroyed my life. I really don't even think I should be able to come to you and ask you for help, God. That's how we got to come to God. And let me just tell you, when you do that, God doesn't go, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm really not going to help you. That's not what God does. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. So when we come to God and we confess our sins and we're like, listen, Lord, you know, every bad thought I've had, you were with me when I did everything I did. Lord, uh, you even know that when I was doing it, your voice was speaking to me and, and I was hearing what, you know, what pastor Mark told you not to do. What you learned in church not to do, what you read in the Bible. I could hear the voice telling me not to do it, but I just did it anyway. I probably don't even deserve your help. It's okay to come to God like that because you don't deserve God's help. But the truth is, you getting help isn't dependent on what you think. God's word is more true than what you think. The Bible says if our heart condemns us, you know what the Bible says? God is greater than our heart. I don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve to have a new life. I don't deserve for you to fix these things. I've just messed it up and screwed it up. Yeah, come to God like that, but you're going to find out God still will forgive you. He will love you and he will bless you. Like I said, verse two, enter not into judgment with thy servant for in thy sight shall no living man be justified. I can't stand up to your judgment. I'm not coming to you in my own righteousness. My question to you is, have you come to God like this? And maybe this is how you should come to him today. Hear this call and answer it today. Don't harden your heart against God for the trouble that you have brought through your own sin and your ignorant pride. He knows how ignorant and prideful and stupid you are. And guess what? He loves you anyway. He knows how it came to be. When he comes to verse three, he says, the enemy has persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. <laughs> those that hate me have done their best. And guess what? It worked. They got me. They wrecked me. They destroyed me. They did it. They did their worst and well, it worked on me. It's crushed me to the ground. It's blinded me even from your light, oh God. But thankfully, I still see a hint of you in the night sky. <laughs> you know, when I think of this, it's kind of what we call ironic. Here you are coming to God. Here you are finding yourself in the house of God. Here you are coming and saying, I need to get my life right with God. And the very thing that brought you to this place, the only place where your life can change are these nasty, evil people that wrecked your life. Isn't that funny? So in the end, they get a little credit. <laughs> in the end, you can go, you know what? I'm glad they lied to me. I'm glad they lied about me. I'm glad they hurt me. I'm glad they messed me up because if not, I'd still be sitting over somewhere thinking it was all good with me and I didn't need God anyway. And in the end, I'd find myself in hell. 
Thank you, enemies. Those that hate me have done their best and it's worked. It's crushed me to the ground and blinded me even from your light. I don't just feel overwhelmed. I feel to the point of help like I'm rotting in the ground like Lazarus was on the fourth day. Right? He wasn't just bad off. He wasn't just sick like so many people. He had already died and they put him in the ground and he was stinking. It was four days. I mean, who in the world even comes to have prayer for a guy that's been in the tomb for four days? I don't just feel overwhelmed. I feel past the point of help. I, I stink with decay. And it makes me feel foolish to even think that you might even hear me and come to raise me up. Even so, with the little I have left, I call out to you. That's what's going on in this prayer. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me and my heart within me is desolate. He's saying, I'm done. I'm at the bottom. I'm at the end. My heart is dry and bloodless without the ability to feel anything anymore. I'm numb. And I don't even know how words are still coming out of my mouth. If there is any hope for the dead still in you, then please come and save me. Verse 5, there's a little glimmer here of life still left in David. And he says... I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the works of my hands. You know, when I've been in some really, really dark days, and I don't know about you, sometimes my mind will race. Your mind ever race, Val? Mine races and races and races. And you keep thinking about what they did and what they said and what you might do and what you're going to do. Right? Right, Marion? You're there. You're just like, and you're like, I want, it to, I want it to go away. I want those thoughts to stop. I get that way. I've been that way. I just like, if they would just, if they would just go away and they would leave me alone. And you know what I do? So, and, and you guys can laugh at Pastor Mark if you want to, but I'll sit there and I'll try to think of something really, really wonderful that happened to me sometime in my life. That's what he's saying. He said, that's what I do. The only thing that's got me is like, okay, you know, hey, remember when we used to go to Grinders, you know? Remember when we used to have all the, all the, you want to eat pizza at, at Flyers and Big Terry would, he put them out of business. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, remember that, you know? Remember how we used to sing and people were hanging out the windows and, and, and remember, remember when we tried to baptize them in the tub and all the water came out and, and so we turned on the shower to make sure we got them all good and wet, you know. Remember that. I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. It's sometimes the only thing in the world that can help us. Remember those times around the bonfire when we sang together. Remember those times when we dreamed of what we would be like now. All I have left are memories that glow like embers in a dying fire. Their warmth is still there even when there are no flames of light. Oh God, blow upon those embers that I might live again. Verse 6. Everybody raise your hands like this. Everybody raise your hands. He said, I stretch forth my hands to thee. Anybody ever just look up and stretch your hands just like, like, like you're reaching for God? 
You're reaching for God. I stretch forth my hands to thee. My soul thirsts for thee, O God. Doesn't that kind of feel good? You know, when you reach for God, he reaches back. When you raise your hand and you're saying, Lord, pick me up, he will. And here he is. He's raising his hand. He's like a man who's drowning. And he's saying, oh, I stretch forth my hands to thee. Help me, God. I lift up my hands. I reach for you like a sinking man in quicksand. I thirst for there is no moisture in my mouth and my voice is like a whisper, like a man who can no longer crawl toward the mirage of his own hopes and his life leaving him as the sun bakes him into the sand. Can you kind of picture that guy who's crawling through the desert? His voice, he's losing it. He's got his hands out to God. That's what's going on in this psalm. Thank God I have water. Oh God, come to me with just a drop of water. Touch my tongue for living after my own fears and in my own strength has made my life like the torments of hell. Do you remember that man? who had died and for some reason, God gives us a picture into it. He was a rich man. And then there was a poor man and they both died. And the, the poor man begged outside of the rich man's house. Do you guys remember this? The poor man's name, we know his name was Lazarus. And from the torments of where the rich man was, he, he asked Lazarus, he said, hey. He said, could you just dip your finger in the water and touch it to my tongue? And he said, I can't. There's a gulf fixed between me and you. He said, well, could you go tell my brothers and my sisters that the place of hell is a real place and they don't want to come here? And he even said, you know, if someone rose from the dead and told them, they wouldn't believe it. Dear God, what a desperate situation. Oh God, come to me with just a drop of water and touch my tongue for living after my own fear. And in my own strength has made my life like the torments of hell. That's what he's praying here. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit is failing. See, now it's not just his body, now his spirit. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like them that go down to the pit. Come on, God, come quick. I'm fading. My spirit's dying. Please don't hide from my wretchedness. Let this not be the end for me. Lord, let me live. Raise me up, Lord. Raise me up. Raise me up, Lord. Raise me up. Verse 8 calls me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. I, I call this just you and me because you'll see the number one word repeated in this sermon, in this scripture, in Psalm 143, is me. 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 And you go, well, that's, that's self-centered. I can tell you right now, you can be as self-centered as you want in a prayer. Lord, save me, help me, lead me, guide me, forgive me. Oh, God, raise me up. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. I haven't been listening to you, and now I cannot even hear. Raise me up, Lord, so that I might be able to hear your mercies that are new for me and all of us every morning. I will quit listening to the devil, the accuser who rails against you as though you haven't cared for me, who rails against me telling that I've done so much wrong that even God can't help me. I've been too self-willed and selfish to deserve your rescues, 
Oh, raise me up, Lord. Raise me up and let me live. I have refused to use the eyes you've given me, Lord, to see your goodness. And instead, I have looked at my own goodness and dwell on the evil of other men. Give me eyes, Lord, and I will turn them to you and your ways. Raise me up, Lord. Raise me up. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see. Raise me up and I will walk in your paths. Raise me up, O Lord. I lift my soul with all that I am to you. Raise me up. Who, who wants to say that with me today? Raise me up, Lord. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. Verse 9, I flee unto thee to hide me. Raise me up, Lord, and give me feet swift to follow you. You gave me legs, and I used them to run to mischief. I ran like a coward from my enemies, and now raise me up so that I can run to you. Deliver me from myself and from my enemies, and I will look to you, and you will hide me. Raise me up. Everybody say, raise me up. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Can you keep seeing this? Teach me. Lead me. Cause me. Save me. Hide me. What's he doing? He's just telling God what he needs and what he wants. It's okay. God's going to go, you're talking about you a little too much. <laughs> no. No, your wife might do that. Your friends might do that. They may say, uh, you think the world revolves around you. You're like, you know what? It's all I got. Lord, help me, save me, lead me, guide me, cause me, fix me. Raise me up from my ignorance and foolish pride that thought I knew better than you, and I will do your will. You are my God, and you are good. In me dwells no good thing, but raise me up. Lead me beside the still waters of your grace. Raise me up and lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Quicken me, verse 11. Quicken me means to make me alive. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Raise me from the deadness of my sins into your glorious life and your love. And do it for your glory and not my own. Do you know, do you know that when God saves a sinner from his sins... He gets glorified. Every step down into the darkness, every step away you've made from God, every foolishness, every sin, all of that only compounds the greatness of God's glory because he saved you anyway, because he loved you anyway, and he provided a great salvation for you. Verse 12 ends with this. He says, And the mercy and thy mercy shall cut off my enemies and destroy all of them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Raise me up and lay them low. Cut them down and cut them off. Raise their cities to the ground and erase the memory of them from the earth. Raise me up, for I am your servant. Raise me up, and I will serve and praise you. For in the end, O oh Lord, it's just you and me. Everybody say, Lord, it's just you and me. No man or woman can save me. No one deserves my praise, and the praise of men is fleeting. Raise me up from the ashes of my own efforts to walk in the newness of life. Raise me up, O oh Lord. Jonathan, if you'd come, raise me up. Everybody say, raise me up. You know, as we come to the end of this psalm, as many of the psalms resolve, this one does not. We don't know what happened in that time, and maybe God 
had this song put in the Psalter so that when we hear it, we feel the utter desperation that we need to feel in this time that we come to the Lord bringing these prayers to him. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us. 